Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high-achieving woman that wants it all. The success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can. You can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Hi friends, Lauren Francois here. Welcome back to the show. I am excited to be bringing you another behind the scenes real life chat. I know we just had one of these a couple weeks ago, but I feel like there's just so much to talk about during the summer. I don't know. Do you feel that way? I feel like we're doing so many things and I'm thinking about so many things and there's just so many things that I want to tell you and I haven't been nearly as active on Instagram as I have in the past. So maybe we should start there. But we're going to talk about a lot of things today. I have an entire list. We'll see if we get through it all. I might have to carry some of these over into our next behind the scenes real life chat. We're going to be alternating with these behind the scenes episodes and human design episodes for the remainder of the summer. So for the next like month-ish or so, my kids start school again right after Labor Day. So we still have a good amount of summer left, which is, it's important to remember because I feel like once the 4th of July hits, it feels like summer is over when really, at least for us here in Northern Wisconsin, summer is only about a a third of the way done when we hit 4th of July. And then July always seems to go so fast. It's just so busy. We always have so much going on in July. And then it feels like at the end of July, like summer's going to be over. But I have to remind myself that summer is not over. We still have an entire month left in August, especially this year, since my kids do not start school until after Labor Day. The last few years, they've started a little bit before Labor Day. So I actually was really excited to see that they don't start till after Labor Day. But going back to Instagram, let's start there. If you guys have listened to my last behind the scenes episode, I talked about time, wealth, and really this summer just slowing down and being present with my kids and enjoying my time with my kids. And what I have found as I have been so deep and intentional about that is that I just don't take as many pictures. I am not taking as nearly or nearly as many pictures and videos as I have in the past. And I know there's pros and cons to that. I know someday I'm going to look back and be like, ah, I should have taken more pictures. But it also is nice to feel, not feel like you have to always be taking pictures and videos. And so this last weekend, actually, my husband took my son Mason camping just the two of them. They had a little father-son weekend and my daughter Avery stayed home with me. And I think I took, the only thing I took pictures and videos of was when we went horseback riding. 
which, oh, I've got to write that down. I've got to tell you guys about our horseback riding experience. I'm not sure if I'll get to it in this episode. Might have to be the next one, but we're going to talk about horseback riding. But anyway, so I just, I really did not take any pictures. And it was my menstrual phase. So that might have something to do with it. Just not really wanting to be on social media. I have experienced that in the past, but I have noticed in general this summer as I have focused on being super, super present, I just haven't taken as many photos or videos, which means I'm not putting nearly as much on Instagram, which means that I have a lot to tell you guys about because I haven't been sharing it all on Instagram. And you know what? I actually prefer to share it here because I really do like living that way. I like being really present in the moment. That's actually part of my human design. Yes, that can be in your human design and that is in my human design. I am meant to be be very, very present. I'm meant to live right in the moment. And sometimes it can feel like when you're taking pictures and videos, it takes you kind of out of that moment. So I would rather just be in the moment, not take as many photos and videos, not post as much on Instagram, and then get on here and tell you all about it. And I'm sorry if you're hearing those dings. I do not know how to turn the notifications for my phone off on my computer. If any of you know how to do that, and you're listening to this and you want to shoot me a DM and let me know how to do that. I was on a one-on-one mentorship call this morning and the same thing was happening. And I had to apologize to my client because I'm like, I do not know how to get these notifications to stop on my computer. They're silent on my phone, but they still pop up on my computer and they make noise. So if they pop up, I apologize if you're hearing that ding and you're thinking it's your phone. It's not your phone. It's my phone. <laughs> so Yes, I have lots to share or to fill you in on because I just have not been sharing nearly as much on Instagram. I wrote down that I was going to tell you guys about the horseback riding. Okay, I think there was something else I mentioned in there. Oh, the camping. I wanted to tell you guys about the camping um, those weekends. So we'll save that for the end too. Let's start with some things I promised to tell you about from our last behind the scenes episode, which is the book that I ordered called Beyond Possible by Nirmal Persia. If you did not listen to the last behind the scenes episode, go back and listen to it. I listened, I watched the most incredible, inspiring documentary called 14 Peaks on Netflix. I actually watched it twice. I watched it once by myself and then I told my husband he had to watch it. So we watched it together and then I ordered his book. Again, his name is Nirmal Persia on Instagram. His handle's at nimsdai, N-I-M-S-D-A-I. He is a mountaineer. He set the world record for climbing all 14 8,000 meter peaks in six months and six days. That is all 14 of the highest mountains in the world in six months and six days. So I was like, I've got to read this guy's book. I was so inspired. The book is so good. You guys have to follow this guy on Instagram. I talked about this in the last episode, but you have to follow him on Instagram and you need to read this book. I read it in just a couple of days. I could not put it down. And then because of that book, I bought another book, which is called A Life Without Limits, A World Champion's Journey. It's by Chrissy Wellington, and she is an Ironman triathlete. And it's her story, basically her autobiography. And she 
won the Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii in 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2011. The only reason she didn't win in 2010 is because she had to pull out of the race before it even started because she got sick. So I believe she also won every single Ironman race that she ever entered. Anyway, if you want to be inspired, go buy the book Beyond Beyond Possible and this book, A Life Without Limits. Now, there's a couple of things that I noticed within these books that are similar about these two people. And the first one is, is that they did not get into their sport until what most would consider to be later in life. So these two are world record holders. They have set world records in their respective sports, if you will. And they didn't start out doing this. Like they did not actually get into these things until later in life in term in terms of Nimsdai. I believe he was in like his late 20s, early 30s when he really got into mountaineering. And for Chrissy Wellington, she didn't compete in her first Ironman race until I think she was in her late 20s, like 29 we're talking about. So these are not people who from the moment they were young were like training for these things. And yet, as they like outline their background and their childhood and their lives leading up to becoming these just incredible people that have done incredible things, everything they did out of just like a desire to do it or out of just following a passion really is what set them up to be great at their sport, but without them knowing it, right? Like they didn't take steps to do certain things with the end goal in mind that they would be great at this sport because they weren't even doing these sports yet. So for example, in Beyond Possible, Nims talks about how he was in the UK Special Forces for 16 years. And he joined the UK Special Forces. He's from Nepal, but he was in the Gurkhas, which is like a division of the UK Special Forces that is Nepalese, I believe. I hope I'm getting that right. He was in that for six years, and then he qualified. He tried out to be in a different part of the UK Special Forces and was in that for 10 years. He fought in war zones a few times, but the reason he wanted to be a Gurkha and wanted to eventually be in the UK Special Forces is because other people within his family had done that. And as he started to do that, you start to see how all of this made him truly incredible at mountaineering. Like the psychological things that he had to, like the psychological strength, the mental strength that he has from being in the UK Special Forces and from the training and from living in war zones and being in battle, you know, are above and beyond what any regular person really experiences. His training that he had to do, like the physical training that he had to do, as he started to discover that he was interested in mountaineering, he would take training and courses within the UK Special Forces that would actually help him in 
those endeavors. So he talked about how he was in the UK Special Forces and you had to pick an area to basically like major in or like a specialty. And he picked a trauma medic. So he has that kind of training. He later on, as he discovered he was really interested in mountaineering, he started taking courses through, again, the UK Special Forces in like high altitude rescue and high altitude survival. Like all of these things that are eventually make him the most incredible mountain climber. He, again, holds the world record for mountaineering, for climbing the 14 highest peaks in six months and six days. He now is climbing them all without oxygen. I just saw on his Instagram that he only has two left, that he hasn't climbed without oxygen. And he also owns an expedition company now. So he's led, I think he's at almost 40 expeditions up these 8,000 meter peaks and he's never lost a client. No one has ever died climbing these mountains with him. And it's like these incredible statistics, but it all, it's so cool to see how everything he did in his life led him to this point, but it never until the more near the end was really with the intention of him becoming like this great mountaineer. And it's the same thing with Chrissy Wellington. Like she talks about how she was not really spectacular at sport when she was younger. She was in a swim club, but she wasn't the best. She wasn't really into running or anything. And then as she traveled the world with her job, she discovered a passion for endurance cycling. And that was really the thing that she did for joy, right? They would just do this around the world. She's biked um, mountain passes. She biked, I believe, to like Everest Space Camp when she lived in Nepal. She's biked in Argentina through like mountain passes that nobody had ever biked through. And this was all just for like pleasure, but it made her this incredible cyclist. And she talks in her book about how the cycle portion of the Ironman is her strength. She always gains the lead during the cycle portion of the Ironman. And so, but she did this without ever, you know, having the intention that she was going to become an Ironman triathlete. And then she entered these races. And then eventually, um, I think she ran the London Marathon she ran the London Marathon, and it was her first ever marathon, and she did it in like three hours and eight minutes, I think. I have to look up the exact time. It's an insane time for someone who has never run a marathon before. So again, like it's just cool to see with these two people how they really were just following their desire and their passion and the things that lit them up. And the experience they gained and the skills they gained along the way is what made them incredible at their sports, but it never was done with the intention of being incredible at their sport. And I just think that is so cool because if we're going to tie this back into human design, a big theme within human design is that you are going to create the most success in your life when you're following your deepest desires when you're doing something that you absolutely love because you're going to put the most effort into that thing easily, right? It's something you love. So you doing it actually recharges your battery. 
And so I just had to share those two books with you guys and the things that I'm noticing throughout these books. And again, the books are Beyond Possible by Nirmal Persia and A Life Without Limits, A, Cham a World Champion's Journey by Chrissy Wellington. So if you're looking for good reads, very inspirational reads, then order those two books. So kind of coming off of that, I told you guys in the last behind the scenes episode that I don't know if it's like a midlife crisis. Actually, I know it's not a midlife crisis now because I was doing some of my human design certification training and there is a thing that happens. This is um, a, what is it called? Astrology. We're talking astrology here. But there is a thing that happens around the year 38 where astrologically like your life purpose shifts. And I have been telling people for the last like two years that I felt like 37 was going to be a really monumental year for me. And I'm like a month away. I'm a month away from turning 38. And I can tell you 37 has been a very, very monumental year for me, but in all different ways than I thought it was going to be. And when I learned about this transition that happens when you're like, it's like 38 to 40 or 38 to 42, somewhere around there. It's the Uranus something. <laughs> I got to go back and look up the name because I don't remember the second part of the name. It's called the Uranus something, but it's this big transition. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is what I am going through. That is what I'm going through. So if you are 37, 38, 39, or 40, and you feel like just like the things that used to light you up and bring you joy and the things you were interested in when you were younger aren't really like the things that are doing it for you now and you're feeling kind of lost and you just feel like things are shifting and changing, we should do a human design reading and I will dive into this with you. I will dive into this like shift in purpose with you and tell you what your previous purpose was and what your purpose is now and it just it is so mind-blowing but so I'm talking it up to this. I truly believe this is what it is. But anyway, I was talking about how I feel like I I want to take on like a new challenge. And I've always loved endurance sports. I ran marathon. I shouldn't say marathons. I ran one marathon and lots of half marathons before we had kids. The half marathon distance was my jam. I feel like you can train for a half marathon without it taking over your life. When you train for a full marathon, it definitely takes over more of your life um, unless you've been doing it for quite a while and you're in a groove. But I love endurance sports. I loved running long distances. I loved supporting my sister and doing her 100 mile race. It is just so inspirational. I'm like, I just wanted, I want to do something this year. Like I want to start training for something and I don't know, I don't really want to run another marathon. I don't think we have talked about doing a hundred mile relay where we each run 25 miles, but the 25 miles can be split up in different legs. So we might do that next year, but as I was reading this book about Chrissy Wellington, I was like, maybe I should train for a triathlon because the thing about running really long distances that freaks me out is I was a gymnast for 14 years, which is very taxing on your body and your joints. And then I also did a lot of running. I ran cross country in high school. I ran through out uh, my college years and then obviously got into running longer distances. But I feel like 
as you get older, you start to worry about your joints. And I don't want to kill my joints. So I'm like, if I did a triathlon, even if I did like a 70.3, which is a half Ironman, the longest I would have to train for for a run, the run is a half marathon. And then the rest of it is the swim and the bike. And that's way easier on the joints. So, and I have a stationary bike in my basement. We also have an awesome treadmill. So I'm like, I could train for those things in the winter. I can train in the summer. The only thing that's holding me up is the swimming portion. Now I live on a lake. I can swim in the summer, but I'm not quite sure how I would swim in the winter because our high school has a pool that has an open swim but it's like 6 to 7.30 in the morning, and my husband leaves for work at 6 in the morning. So I can't go swim at the pool and leave my kids home alone. So I'm trying to figure out the swim part. I'm thinking maybe if uh, the pool would be open on the weekends, I could maybe swim on the weekends, and that would be enough to get me through the winter. My husband and sister have both made a joke that I should buy one of those, like, current pools (laughs) like you just it's like a treadmill but a pool and do that but I'm like I can't use that in the winter either like I'm not going to do that outside in the snow on our deck so I am debating you guys I really think I want to do a triathlon I just have to figure out this swim thing I've got to figure out how I can train for swimming and even if it was just like once a week I think I think even if it was just like swimming once a week, if I did it the whole winter, I would be in a good enough place to be able to swim for, first I want to do an Olympic distance triathlon because that is, it's like a 0.92 mile swim. It's like a 20, 30, 40 mile bike. I'm not sure how long the bike is. And then it's a 10K run. So I'm like, maybe I should do that. And then, but like I'll train for a half Ironman, but I'll do the Olympic first and then maybe do, I don't know. These, these are my thoughts. So I'm putting it out there. I might just train for a triathlon and take you guys along the journey with me. And I feel like there was something else I was going to say about that, but I forgot. Oh, I know where I was going to go next. Okay. I should like cross these off as I talk about them. So we talked about that. Talked about that. Okay. So the other thing with the triathlon is I have been sharing how I had these, I've had, um, problems with my right hip, lower back and glute. And you guys, it's like one big knot and it's painful now. I've been dealing with this for about a year. So the first thing I want to say, if you're listening to this, is do not neglect flexibility and mobility in any sort of exercise routine that you have or any sort of training that you're doing. Do not neglect it because I neglected it and I'm paying the price. So that is the first tip, guys. Do not neglect that, especially as you get older. The second tip is I am having all of these issues because I carried both of my children on the same hip for like four and a half years, five years probably. So what that does is when you carry your kids on the same side of your body, 
you lean to the other side to compensate for their weight, which means you're engaging the, the muscles on the opposite side more. You're also leaning, so you're tightening that more. Now, do that for five years straight, and all of a sudden, one side of your body is way tighter than the other side. And it is not good. And I went to get dry needling. So I want to tell you about dry needling. But as I was explaining this to the chiropractor, he was like, I can't even tell you how many moms I've seen that have the same exact problem. So if you are a mom, if you are going to be a mom, if you are a new mom, if you have a toddler and are going to have another baby or you have another baby, please take my advice. Switch hips. Carry on your left side, carry on your right side. Carry on your left side, carry on your right side. Do not carry your child always on the same side or you are going to have issues. And it's not fun. This is not fun. Like having this pain is not cool. I am not okay with this. So there is my piece of advice. Please take it if you are a mom of littles. Please, please take it. This you do not want to deal with this. And like I said, the chiropractor said he sees it all the time, which means a lot of people are like me. A lot of moms are like me, and I just want to help you. So definitely switch off on sides. But anyway, so my sister, I was telling her about this pain, and she was like, you should try dry needling. And I am up to do anything and everything to get this side of my body to loosen up. I have been doing foam rolling. I have a Theragun. I've gotten a massage. I have been stretching and it just felt like I just have so many knots. And so I was like, I'm going to do this dry needling thing. And I found a chiropractor near me that does it. I went, I was very impressed. If you live near me, I went to see Dr. Khan at, I think it's called Northwoods Chiropractic and Wellness or something like that. I was very impressed with how knowledgeable he was. Very, very, very impressed. So what he ended up doing was he did one session of dry needling, which is where they take these little needles. It's kind of like acupuncture, but not. But he finds like where the knots are in your in the area, you are super tight, and they put a little needle in, and it doesn't hurt, but what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to increase the blood flow to that area to help the muscle loosen up. So he did that. He also did deep tissue laser therapy, which from my understanding is like a heat pad, except it penetrates two inches into your muscle, so it helps your muscle that also helps your muscle relax. He also did something that felt very much like a Theragun. And then something that felt like, um, I wish I had video right now so I could show you, but it's like a tap, 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 but not like a Theragun. So he did all of that. And then he did a couple of adjustments, if you will, because I because my muscles are so tight back there. So it's my glute and my lower back, and then the muscle that runs up along your spine, and for mine it's on the right side. All of that is super tight. And he said what's happening is because that's so tight, it is making it so your joint back there can't move the right way. So I'm having pain in my joint too. So then he did some things to help like release pressure in my joint. And I walked out of there feeling a lot better. 
And then the next day I didn't, which he said. He said I might be sore the next couple days, but then it should slowly improve over the week. And he also told me I probably would need more than one session of this because I've been dealing with this for so long and I'm so tight. So I actually just called today to schedule another session. My glute does feel like it's looser, but my joint still hurts and my lower back still hurts and like the muscle in my back is still really tight. However, that could also be from the fact that I went horseback riding this weekend with my daughter and I've been wake surfing and I did like an upper body workout yesterday. So that could all be making like those back muscles tight. But anyway, I scheduled another dry needling session. I feel like it helped, especially in the glute area. I don't feel like I have as many knots down there already. So we're going to keep going on this journey of hopefully loosening all this up so I don't have this pain so I can train for the triathlon. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of this. Well, and just like feel better in my day to day because I hate like feeling, I feel pain back there every single day. So I wanted to tell you guys about the dry needling. Let's talk about redecorating. So I think I mentioned in the last behind the scenes episode that this summer is like the summer of doing all these projects. We have had a lot of projects. There's a lot of money going out. I mentioned that. There's a lot of money going out because there's been a lot of projects that we've been doing. Well, I have been buying new light fixtures. I don't know if I told you guys about this, but when we bought our house in 2017, our house is beautiful. It is gorgeous, but it was completely not my style, but everything was so nice that I had a hard time changing things because it all was really nice stuff, right? Like, so I felt bad. Like I shouldn't change it because it's expensive stuff. And we thought we would only be in this house for like five years. So we're going on six years. It'll be six years in September. So for a long time, we just didn't change anything because we were like, how much is that really going to add value to the house? If we're just going to sell the house, then we shouldn't waste money on doing this. Well, there is no end in sight of us leaving this house, really. And the more that we do to it and the more we make it ours, the less I want to leave it. <laughs> so we'll see if we ever leave it. But anyway, I have finally tackled changing out light fixtures. Can I just tell you how many light fixtures there are in a house? Holy smokes. Holy smokes. There are so many lights. So many lights. I mean, look around. There are a lot of lights in your house. And I get decision fatigue when it comes to decorating. So I don't think I'm particularly good at decorating. Maybe people who saw my house would think otherwise. Maybe they would agree. I have no idea. I do not have a knack for decorating, but what I can do is if I find something I like, like a picture I like, I'm really good at replicating that. So if you give me a blank slate, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm really good at putting things together, but if you give me something to work with, I can replicate. And once I get a vision, then I'm good. Like one, my cognition in human design is outer vision. This all makes sense. So your cognition is your most heightened sense. And outer vision is like, I have to see it in the world. That helps me create. So that makes sense. So once I see something, I'm like, okay, now I can do it. But anyway, so 
deciding on light fixtures th that all have a flow is very hard for me. And I'm very much into the like, I like it to match. Now, it doesn't have to be super matchy-matchy, but it all has to flow, especially because we have an open concept for the most part. I want everything to match, kind of. So it takes me a long time to decide. It takes a lot of mental effort to decide, which means I only end up usually deciding on like two things at a time. So this has been a process. I'll buy like a couple light fixtures or I'll decide on a couple. I'll buy them and then I'll be like, I need to take a break. And I'll take a break for like a couple weeks and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to buy a couple more. And then I finally decide and then I take a break. I did this with the rugs that I just bought. I just bought two new rugs off of Wayfair. And I think I decided on the two. And then I was like, I'm done. Like this is, this has taken me like two hours of searching and deciding and I just can't anymore. So I get decision fatigue very easily with redecorating, but we've kind of gone off here on this or maybe not, who knows. But anyway, I decided on these light fixtures and the first ones that I got, we put over our dining room area and they are fabulous. And then I got one to go over our island in our kitchen and that one was fabulous. And then I bought some new sconces to go in our bathroom. So our bathroom was basically completely lit by sconces. We had four sconces that actually are in the mirror. It's very interesting setup. So I bought sconces for that and that provides the majority of the light in our bathroom. And then I bought a light to go over our regular table that we eat at. So we have like a table that we eat at and then we have the dining room table, which I think most people have. But anyway, so I bought these two light fixtures and the our builder construction company came over and put the new sconces up and put this light fixture over the table up. And the problem is, is that none of these lights give off the same amount of light that the original ones did. So all of a sudden it was very dark. Like it was very dark over our table that we eat at. It was very dark in our bathroom, which the table we eat at, I was not surprised because the light fixture is actually black on the outside and only has one light bulb in it and it faces down. And the original one we had was like a frosted glass. It faced up and it had four light bulbs in it. So it wasn't the best decision on my part, but whatever, I loved the light. But the sconces I was really surprised about because they're glass sconces. So, and the other ones were frosted. So I was like, these should give off a lot of light. And they just, I don't know what it is about these sconces, but they just did not give off the same amount of light. And my husband was complaining that it was too dark in there. And he's like, you should send them back. I'm like, I can't send them back. They're already on the wall. Like everything is thrown away. I can't just send these back. And same with the light fixture over the table. I'm like, I can't send it back. So you know the way women's brains work. All of a sudden, our builder construction company came over to finish up some work on something else we're have, having done. And Brady and I started talking. We're like, well, I'm like, well, what if we just put in more can lights in the ceiling? Because like, 
I don't like the fact that we have to just rely on these sconces and this dining light anyway. Like we should just have more can lights. And you guys, I don't know if everyone's like this, but I grew up in a house that had huge windows. Every house that I've lived in has had huge windows and a ton of light. I have to have a ton of light in my house, especially in the winter because it gets dark here at like four o'clock. There has to be a lot of light. Like I can't, like even during the day, I turn the lights on. I just need, I need a lot of light. So my solution to getting more light, instead of just going out and buying new sconces and a new light over the table, because I actually like the way the lights look, is that let's just cut in some more can lights. So as we're explaining this to our construction company, the builder, the guy looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, I might be crazy, but you know what? I like the lights and I want more can lights anyway. So we ended up getting five more can lights cut in above like our dining table or our eating table area. And then we got, I think it was three can lights cut in in our bathroom. But then in the process of doing that, we also, we already had like a boatload of can lights in the kitchen over like the kitchen part. And he was like, well, now they have these new like LED can lights. Do you guys just want to switch all these out? So all of a sudden we are going down this like lighting rabbit hole of replacing every single can light that we have upstairs. We legit did. So we replaced all the ones we had in the kitchen. We cut in the five new ones. We replaced the ones we had in the hallway. We cut in the three new ones in the bathroom. And then we replaced the two ones up in our big vaulted ceiling. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Like we started out with replacing light fixtures and now we have gone down and replaced like 20 some can lights. And then as he was doing that, my husband comes up to me and he's like, we have all those can lights in the basement. And I'm like, we are not. We are not doing this right now. Like, let's tackle that in the winter. We will replace the can lights in the basement in the winter. But we have gone down this lighting rabbit hole. In the process of that, they also put up my new chandelier in the living room, which is gorgeous. Gorgeous. I will, I've shared a couple pictures of it. I got it from Pottery Barn. It is beautiful. I am obsessed. My husband loves it. It is so cool. So there's one more big light fixture that we have to replace above our entryway. And that's the toughest one because it hangs over the staircase. And the ceilings are super high. And it's a big light fixture. So I just haven't found anything yet that I love that can go there. But that's the last big one. And then I start to get to tackle all the little ones like the light in the rooms, like the bedrooms and my office and the lighting in the guest bathroom and all of that stuff. So I'll probably be doing that this winter. But I was telling, we were talking about this. I was talking about this with friends. I'm like, once you get started, you just like it like snowballs. <laughs> like the more you do, the more you want to do. And then all of a sudden you're doing all of the things. So we also got our, I don't think I told you guys about this, but we also got our new sofa and chair. I ordered it back in February and it finally got delivered. 
So we have all these new lights. We have our new sofa, our new chair. I bought two new rugs. It feels like a whole new place. And I'm just loving it because it's finally feeling like me, like us, like our home. And I'm excited to see how it all continues to come together. It's time to let you guys in on a special summer offer, one-on-one -on -one human design chart readings. A human design chart reading is going to help you understand how you're ideally meant to operate in life and business, why you are the way you are, what your natural gifts and strengths are, and where you have taken on conditioning and are operating in a way that is out of alignment with your design, creating resistance and struggle so that you can begin operating in a way that's in alignment which is going to help you create more success, more abundance, and more joy with much more ease. You're going to walk away with a much deeper understanding of yourself and your unique energetic roadmap. For more details and to book your human design chart reading, all you have to do is scroll down to the show notes and click the link so that we can get you operating in alignment with your unique human design. So... We went down the light rabbit hole. We made some, I won't call them sketchy, but we made some funny decisions. I made some funny decisions as a woman who likes the way certain lights look. And yeah, but I'm having fun. I'm having fun redecorating. It is a process. It makes me think about building a house. I always said I have wanted to build a house. Like I want to build a house to make it mine. But then even just like the amount of decisions that I've made recently, I'm like, I don't know how I would ever build a house because there's just too many decisions. I would definitely need to hire someone to help me when it comes to interior design. I did that with our wedding, like with our wedding decor, the florist I hired ended up doing all the decor for the wedding. And I literally just sent him Pinterest photos again, outer vision. But I was like, I want it to look like this. And he did it. I think I need that if we build a house. Like, I need to use an interior designer, an interior decorator, and be like, I want it to look like this. Just decide. Because I cannot make those decisions. Okay, we are already 40 minutes in. I'm looking at my list, and I'm thinking that some of these topics I'm going to have to do on our next behind-the-scenes episode. Which, don't worry, you only have to wait two weeks because we're doing them every other week and one episode a week for the summer. So I think I'm going to do two of these because I want to talk about them in more depth. But let's talk about Instagram Reels. So I talked about how I did a social media detox at the beginning of this year and I like literally unfollowed everybody and everything. I think I'm only following, let me look. I'm still, you guys, I'm so proud of myself. I'm still only following, and this is no offense to anyone, 123 accounts. I think that's pretty darn good. So I'm following 123 accounts, so I don't follow a lot. I try, I've been trying to really, really, really limit my Instagram time, my social media time. I have a one-hour social media limit put on Instagram on my phone. And anyway, so I'm really trying to just, I wanted to create a certain vibe within my Instagram feed. So I got very particular about the accounts that I was following because when I opened my Instagram, I wanted to 
feel a certain way. So like I love following at Nims Day because I just, oh my gosh, I just love seeing what that guy is doing. But I have to tell you, I have come to love to follow some of the golden retriever accounts on Instagram. Oh my gosh. If you guys want to just put a smile on your face, go follow some of these dog accounts. And I don't know why it's always the golden retriever ones that pop up, but I grew up with golden retrievers. That's the kind of dog I had throughout my childhood. I own chocolate labs. My two dogs are chocolate labs. But my parents still have retrievers. Now they have English creams, which is a form of a golden retriever, but they're white. But most of the accounts that pop up that are just hilarious on Instagram are these golden retriever accounts. And I just die. If you just want to put yourself in a good mood, you need to follow some golden retriever accounts on Instagram. And I am sorry that I am recommending this without a specific account because... These just like pop up or my husband sends them to me. So this one popped up the other day on my feed. And I think they just keep popping up because I watch them, right? So then Instagram like recommends more of them. I watched this one the other day where this guy, I think he was walking an English cream. He was walking an English cream, which is like a white golden retriever. Or he was trying to. He, he was walking his dog and his dog had just decided that it was going to stop walking. And it's just sitting there and he's trying to pull it and these are big dogs right they're like my parents English creams are one of them's like 100 pounds the other one's like almost 90 pounds I think these are huge dogs you cannot move them if they don't want to move so this guy is standing like in the middle of the road or in the middle of the parking lot and his dog has just decided that it is done like it's not going anywhere and he's like got it on a leash he's like trying to pull it in this dog lays down, is like laying on his back with his legs spread wide open. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere, dude. And this guy is like beside himself. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Well, then the dog sits up and the guy thinks like, okay, we're going to go. And the dog's like, nope, we're not, we're not going. And he lays back down. And finally, what this guy does is he ends up picking up his dog. So this had to happen. Like, this has to happen often because he looked like he knew what he was doing. But he picks up his dog and he's carrying his dog like a baby. Like, he carries him off like a baby because this dog won't move. But if you, again, like, I have loved following these dog accounts. Maybe you have to be a dog person. I don't know. But if you want to be in a good mood, again, you need to follow some of these Golden Retriever accounts on Instagram. The other thing about Reels that just blows my mind and makes me laugh is my husband sends me all these reels on couples and it makes you feel not alone you guys it makes you feel like it's not just you he will send me reels of things that we do that I think like no one else does and then couples make reels on it and I'm like oh my gosh it's not just us there are other people out there who do this and so we have gotten into this habit of like sending each other funny reels about dogs or couples. And it's just this fun thing that we do. So if I'm going to use social media, like if I'm getting on social media, that's what I want it to be like. You know, I want it to be refreshing. I want it to be fun. I want it to be funny. I want it to put me in a good mood. I don't want it to be like 
me making me feel bad about myself, me making feel making me feel like I'm not doing enough, comparison. And it, social media can get that way very, very easily. So if you want to break up your feed and you want to have some like really fun accounts, there are some hilarious parenting accounts, there are some hilarious couples accounts, there are some hilarious dog accounts, and I would highly recommend looking at those. And then start a fun back and forth banter with your significant other. So if you see a funny one, especially about couples that reminds you, if you see one that reminds you of your significant significant other and it's funny, send it to them. It's usually my husband sending me ones, sometimes about me, but a lot of times about himself. Like he recognizes things that he does and he sends it to me and I'm like, yep, 100%, that's you. <laughs> so... That's been fun to do. And then I promised at the beginning, we're circling back to it, horseback riding and camping. So I took my daughter horseback riding. There's a place right near our house, and I've been going horseback riding there once a year since I was little because we used to come up to where I live now for one week every summer. And part of what we did during that week is we would go horseback riding. So I've been going to this place for 30 30 years, 30 some years now. And so we started taking the kids and a couple of years ago we rode double with them. Maybe it was just last year. I don't know, but they're too little to ride by themselves on the big horses. So we rode double and they did great. But then the next time we went, Avery didn't want to go. She didn't want to go on the big horse. She wanted to go on the little pony. So this past weekend, Again, it was just she and I, and I asked her what she wanted to do, and she said she wanted to go horseback riding, and originally she said, well, she said she wanted to go horseback riding, go-karting, and mini-golfing, and all of that is at this place. So originally she said she just wanted to ride the little pony, and I was like, okay, are you sure you don't want to ride the big horse? Like, we can ride the big horse together, and she was like, nope, I want to ride the little pony. Well, then right before we went, she was like, no, I want to ride the big horse. Let's ride the big horse. I'm like, okay, let's ride the big horse. So we go, and they have an opening. We sign up to ride double on the big horse, and they take you out for an hour on these trails. And when you ride double with a small child, they always give you, like, the slow, old horse. So I'm never really worried because these horses, like, usually they put you at the back, and they're like, you got to give them a good kick to get them going. So we're feeling good. She's doing great. We're riding along. We're in a group with one, two, four other people plus the leader. And then we're at the very back. And we're probably like 10 minutes into the ride. And we're going through this like narrow area on this trail. And I kid you not, I'm not paying attention. Like we're talking about something. And all of a sudden I look up and two horses in front of me the horse. I don't know what happened to cause this. I don't know if the horse tripped. I don't know. I don't know what, but the horse fell off the trail. So we're in this narrow trail in the woods and it's not like a long fall, but just like it kind of just like dipped down to the side and the horse fell with the girl on it and miraculously somehow as this horse is like tumbling over into the wooded area, 
the girl got off. Like she and she didn't get pinned under the horse. Again, I have no idea how she managed to get herself off this horse, but she got off and she was okay. But the horse was like stuck. It was laying on its side. It was like down a little bit and it could not get up. And so it tried to get up a couple times. It was flailing. It could not get up. We weren't sure if it was hurt, but we're all just standing there. And the leader ended up having to call another woman to come and try to help her get this horse up because this horse could not get up. And we couldn't just leave. We can't just leave the horse there. So we're just standing there. Well, the horses are just standing there. We're sitting on our horse for like, it had to have been at least 10 minutes. And Avery was scared and rightfully so. So then Avery's getting scared that our, our horse is going to fall and we're, we're going to get hurt because the horse is going to fall and it's going to fall on us. And she was really freaked out and we're just standing there and I'm like, we got to get moving somehow. Like we can only stand here for so long. These horses are going to start to get like antsy. That was my thought. I don't know if they do or not. No idea. I am not an expert when it comes to horses. So eventually this woman came and they were able to get this horse up and then she tried to get the girl to go back on the same horse and the girl was probably like I think she was about like 13 and her mom was the one riding right in front of me and her mom was like uh no she is not going back up on that horse and the woman's like the horse is fine she's like how do you know the horse is fine like we don't know what happened for some reason this horse fell she's not getting back up on the horse. And I was like, you go, mom. Like, I would not let my child get back on that horse. I don't care if the horse is totally fine. It's probably freaked out because it just was lying there and couldn't get up. And now you're telling this mom that she should put her daughter back on this horse. I was like, you go, because I would be the same way. So anyway, they ended up figuring out a way. Um, the girl ended up getting on her mom's horse and her mom ended up riding the four-wheeler back with the other woman and they took the other horse back. But as they're like, we're now starting to get going, Avery's like totally freaked out. She wants to be done. I'm kind of freaked out. I want to be done. And the woman's like, to the leader, she's like, make sure you give them the full ride. I'm like, I don't want to go on the full ride. But it was probably good that we went on the full ride because by the end, Avery was really good and she was just worried about the horse that fell. She was very worried about the horse that fell. She wanted to know if it was okay. They told us the horse was okay, but she just kept saying, I'm so worried about this horse. And I'm not even going to say the name of the horse because um, that's not important, but she was just worried about the horse. So we shall see if she wants to go horseback riding again. I'm not sure how she feels about horseback riding anymore, but it was scary, you guys. Like, you don't ever think anything like that's going to happen, right? Like, you're on a little trail ride. This is not intense horseback riding. You just, you never think twice about it. You have to sign a release, you know, you have to sign a waiver before you go on the horse, but you never think anything's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like, it would have been, again, I have no idea how that girl did not get pinned under that horse. It would have been so easy for her to get pinned under that horse. So that was our horseback riding experience. It was interesting. Definitely made me think twice about it. <laughs> but then last thing I wanted to talk about is the camping trip that Brady took Mason on. 
So Brady didn't just take Mason because only boys can go camping. I love to camp. It is actually one of my favorite things to do. I love being out in the wilderness. I love sleeping in a tent. I don't mind having no running water. I don't mind not having to wear makeup. I haven't been wearing makeup all summer. I just, I love it. I love, especially when we go somewhere where there's no cell phone service. It's super quiet. And the kids really like camping. Avery really liked camping when we went last year too. So this isn't like a, oh, I'm only taking Mason because you guys don't like camping. He just wanted to do something special with Mason. And I think this is really important as parents, as our kids get a little bit older. And I know other parents who do this, which is why I wanted to mention it, is having one-on-one time with each of our kids, like doing something special with just one of the kids. So this was like their special thing that they did. And I thought it was so cool. They ended up bike riding. So Mason is six. You guys, they ended up bike riding 45 miles in between Friday and Sunday. This kid is made for endurance sports. I'm telling you right now, I'm predicting it. He is an energizer bunny. That is also in his human design. But so they had this special camping weekend. And then Avery and I had our girls weekend. And we did stuff, just the two of us. And I let her sleep in my bed with me, which she's never slept in our bed. Brady and I were very, had a very hard boundary on that. And not dissing any parent who co-sleeps with their kids, if that's good for you, fantastic. We were like, no, our kids are not never sleeping with us. They never slept in our bed as babies, ever. They have never slept with us. We, They both have big beds in their room. Avery is a queen, Mason is a king. So if they ever wake up in the middle of the night, I go and sleep in their bed with them. When they were little, I would sleep on the floor next to their crib. But we just, it, that's what we wanted for us. We were like, this is our bed. This is where we sleep together. This is our space. Like, we don't want our kids in the bed with us. So... She's never slept in our bed, but because they were gone, I was like, do you want to sleep with mommy? And it it was fantastic. Like, she's a great sleeper. I didn't even know she was there. Girl does not move. No idea she was even there. But so I let her do that. We She had special time with Grammy and Grandpa on Friday night because I was coming back from my hair appointment down three hours from where we live. And then we had our special day on Saturday, despite the horse thing. It still was a special day. And then we went out to dinner Saturday night. And so we had our special time together. And then Mason and Brady had their special time together. And I told them, I said, now you have to plan a special weekend with Avery because she likes to camp too. It doesn't have to be camping, but you've got to do like that special time with her and I'll do my time with Mason. But I think, again, I think it's really important. Like we're together a lot as a family of four. And I think it's really cool and very special for each kid to have alone time with each parent. So that's something that I would like to continue to do. And as they get older, and again, I know other parents who do this. I was talking to a family friend and she does this with her kids when she goes on certain work trips Now she'll take one of her kids with her each time and then it rotates and it's like their special trip with her. So if you're looking for some parenting advice, I'd highly recommend doing something like that. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, you could do like a staycation. 
with one of your kids or just go, I don't know, but it doesn't have to be big, but just having that one-on-one time with them, I think is really cool and really helps you to get to know each one for their uniqueness and, you know, the things they're interested in and like to do. And I don't know, when my kids get to do the thing they want to do, they are beyond happy and joyful. It's like, yes, we're doing the thing that I want to do. So when there's only one of them, you can do whatever they want to do. And the other one doesn't complain because they're not there. They're off doing the thing they want to do with the other parent. So that was the camping thing and the weekend with my daughter. And that is where I'm going to cut it off because we are just about at an hour. And so I am going to record another one of these episodes here in a couple days. And we're going to dive into all the things I haven't talked about yet. But again, I know you guys love these episodes. I can see it in the downloads. I love hearing from you. If I talked about something in this episode that resonated with you or that you're interested in, shoot me a message over on Instagram. That's where I really get to talk to you guys. And I love hearing from you. I love hearing from you. I love talking with you. So please head on over there, chat with me. I will be there. I will chat with you. Um, And then kind of looping back to the very beginning with human design, I looked it up and the period of transition that I was talking about is called your Uranus opposition. And it happens between the ages of 38 to 43. I could do a whole podcast episode on that. But if you want to dive deeper into your human design, you want to learn about your type, you want to learn about your centers, how that affects you, how you are meant to show up in this world in your own unique way. You want to look at, maybe you are around the same age as me, like 37, 38, you're in that Uranus opposition time frame and you want to dive into that. These are things we can do in a human design chart reading. I actually just finished up reading charts for a family of five. Yes, I read all of their charts, both parents, all three kids, and it was fascinating. It was so cool to really help this mom, these parents actually, because they both were very interested in, put the pieces together and understand themselves and each other on a much deeper level, understand how they're similar, understand how they're different, where they can clash, understand their children, how their children are different. So With this particular family, the two parents ended up being the same type, although very different within their type. And then two of their children were the same type, but a different type than the parents. And then their youngest child was a different type than all of them. And so it was really, really cool to put this all together like pieces of a puzzle and to really look at, okay, what do these... What does each child need? What does their chart say? What do, how does your chart impact their, how does your human design impact their human design? And how does their human design impact your human design? And how does each child's human design impact each other? And every child was very different. And again, different than the parents. And it really just helps you parent the child that you have, when you understand your child at this level, it's going to help you see your child for who they actually are, who they've always been meant to be. And we're going to talk about how you can parent them, how you can parent their type. Again, how your design is going to impact them, how their design is going to impact you. 
And then I did that with the uh, husband and wife as well. So we we read all five charts and it was it was so cool. So if you want to do something like that, either with just your significant other or with your significant other and your kids, reach out. Shoot me a message on Instagram and I will put together a custom proposal for you based on the number of charts we're going to do. And we can dive into you understanding yourself, your significant other, and your kids all on a deeper level so that you know and have the tools to parent them to be who they were always meant to be. And this is something that I'm doing with my kids. You know, I've really dove into their human design charts, my chart, my husband's chart to just understand everyone on a much deeper level. And it's been so incredibly impactful in, especially in my parenting. So if you're interested in that, shoot me a message on Instagram and we can chat. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you at our next episode. Bye. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I would love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.